Adyen, the payments platform made for today, tomorrow, and whatever comes next. With Adyen's single solution, it's simple to accept all kinds of payments, in-app, online, in-store, touch-free, and beyond. And it seamlessly adapts with your business. So keep your customers happy and your business growing with Adyen. Visit Adyen, A-D-Y-E-N dot com to learn more. Welcome to Fintech Brews and News, brought to you by Central Payments and Falls Fintech. I'm Nikki Rohde. And I'm Trent Sorby. Founders, co-founders, payments professionals, and, well, just people who love brews. This is a place to get a behind-the-scenes look at unique partnerships and ways to bridge the financial gap between banking, startups, and the entire fintech industry. Whether it's a beer, or coffee, or something else, there's certain to be a brew in every episode. After all, how do we function in this space without it? Each episode, you're sure to take away some good stuff going on in the financial technology space. So without further ado, let's grab a brew. everybody. Welcome to our very first episode of Fintech Brews. My name is Nikki Rohde. I'm Managing Director here at Falls Fintech and also Executive Vice President of Strategy at Central Payments. I'm Trent Sorby. I'm the President of Central Payments and one of the co-founders with Nikki at Falls Fintech. And we are so excited to be debuting this very first inaugural episode of Fintech Brews. Um, Starting with um, Trent, what are you drinking? Today, I am having, from our friends at Woodgrain Beer, uh, a nice Hellas uh, light lager. How about you? This is a IPA. I don't know any more details other than it's refreshing, it's good, and it's cold. And um, cheers to cheers all to things. Cheers to episode one. Episode one. To you. To you. I feel like the goal of this podcast series uh, should be that I learn a little more about beer than what I know right now. Mm. And so I think it's great that we're sitting right outside of Woodgrain and that's, that's what we're going to try to do. That way the folks that, that tune in and listen in uh, have a chance to learn a little along with. So um, with that, what we've decided to talk to you guys about today is really the premise of where false FinTech started. Um, we're going to talk about a CDFI, a payment subsidiary, and how a FinTech accelerator all fit together. So um, I'm really gonna let Trent do a lot of that early on kind of talking and where this came from, Genesis starting point. So maybe take us all through that, Trent. Yeah, because I think it's, I think this is a great place to kick this whole series off because it is, it, at first blush, when you learn a little bit about us, it doesn't, doesn't come, it doesn't pop right out that this is why we're doing what we're doing. It, it doesn't seem logical that a small community bank in inner city Kansas City you know, a CDFI, very mission-focused, family-owned bank by the same family since the 50s, runs off, builds a payments group, um, grows it into the fastest-growing issuer in the country since 2015, and then right behind that starts a fintech accelerator. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we put all that together? And uh, I think this was a great place for us to start to really delve into that, and so folks can kind of understand how it does all fit together. Some yeah. some things we do actually make a little bit of sense around here. Occasionally. Um, I think CDFI, a lot of people might know what that is, but start there. What is it and what is its purpose? Yeah, so CDFI is a certification from the Treasury Department that um, 
roughly 135-ish banks across the country receive. And also there's a lot of non-banks that are CDFIs as well. Really what it means is that um, that certification tells the federal government that you as an organization are committing to serve geographies um, that aren't traditionally served well by banks, um, low, moderate income areas, um, serving consumers that really haven't seen the, the benefits of the full breadth of services um, from financial institutions. And Central Bank of Kansas City, uh, CBKC has been doing that um, since the beginning. If you knew, CBKC is located on Independence Avenue in Kansas City. Um, Northeast KC is sort of what it's known for. Um, historically, uh, an immigrant area of Kansas City always has been um, great history in that in that part of KC and and a Central rough, Bank though a little rough area yeah right it, it has it's you know it's it's seen it's it's seen its share of urban blight um, and but the one thing that I think the folks in that neighborhood have always said is that CBKC has always been there on that same spot since the 1950s um, and it's it's really become you know sort of a fixture in the neighborhood and so one of the things that I think CBKC has always thought about it. How do we stay true to this mission and serving this population, these Northeast KC consumers that, you know, if you drew a, if you drew a small three mile circle around the bank, you probably wouldn't pick up another bank in that circle. Well, that's hard to do, right? Stay true to that mission when um, different kind of models are compressed, the value of a dollar. The economy the changes. That's right. Absolutely. And I think it was really coming out of the, the recession in the, in the late 2000s, that CBKC started to think about how do we how do we continue to thrive as an organization, continue to serve this community, maintain our CDFI status, but continue to grow the bank, and um, and that's tough. If I always say, if unemployment in the Kansas City metro area was seven percent coming out of the recession, it was probably forty percent in the neighborhoods that we serve. Deposits fuel banks. When people aren't employed, they're not depositing into their bank accounts. So you can see how it all ties together. That's right. And so wisely, uh, CD, CBKC said, you know, maybe maybe we think about this emerging this emerging payments business as a way to really continue to grow the organization, grow deposits, but continue to serve consumers of modest means. We always say. And uh, I think it was really at that point that they said, hey, we, we need to think about payments. We need to think about fintech. We need to think about new technology um, and more or less abandon the idea that we're going to grow from planting branches all over Kansas City. Because here again, it's not really true to the mission. Which that's what I was just going to say is I really appreciate from an integrity standpoint, that was really a fork in the road. Does CBKC, Central Bank of Kansas City, by the way, I'm not sure if we said the whole name, but does CBKC pivot and go plant branches in affluent neighborhoods to drive deposits, or do they stay true to the mission and find alternative creative ways, which I find extremely valuable to stay true to that mission? I, I love it because they really said, you know, how do we extend our footprint? Mm -hmm. And that's not only good for the consumer, um, and now all of a sudden the benefits of CBKC are extending way beyond Northeast KC, but it's good for the bank too, because you can think all of a sudden our business is much more diversified across the country. We're not quite as prone to cyclical downturns in the Kansas City economy. Um, the bank is becoming uh, really a nationwide issue. It is a nationwide issuer of prepaid cards mm -hmm. and payment cards and debit cards and all these other services that I'm sure we'll talk about throughout the series. And that's, that's all diversity for the bank as well. And that's good. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so CBKC is staying true to its mission. It decides we're gonna get creative and find a different way to drive deposits. Where do you come in? Because it was a 
long, long time ago. Long, yeah. Darker hair, the whole thing. Uh, really, in 2012, uh, CBKC reached out to me and they said, this is our idea. This is, this is where we think the future of banking is going. This is where we think the future of a small bank that has to compete against much larger banks. This is how we think is the best. This is about we think is the best way to grow the bank. Um, I turned them down um, in 2012. You savage. I know. I know. Uh, but to their credit, um, reached back out to me in 2013, said, hey, uh, we even feel better about what we're doing. Um, and we still think uh, we want you to come build this thing out for us. This is the vision. And uh, that time I, I, I couldn't pass up the opportunity. Where uh, were you at that time? At that time, I was uh, commuting back and forth to Atlanta from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, not the easiest commute in the world. Out Sunday night, back Thursday night, Monday morning, Friday, whatever it is. Tough on me, tough on the family, tough on everybody. And uh, I just said, you know, this is a great idea. I'm, I'm all in, um, but we, we've got to do it differently than what our predecessors have done. Um, we have to think about the way in which payments has evolved, particularly in, you know, that early 2010, 2011 timeframe and this emergence of fintech. And, you know, if you're coming in and you're a bit of a late entrant in the marketplace in terms of the role of a bank, um, maybe we need to think about that role and, and really sort of turn it on its ear. Yeah. So when you think about when you finally got this thing cooking, what was what was important to you as you're building a payments division tied to a CDFI in a bank that's 500 miles away? 500 miles? Spot. Right up, yeah. 450. Uh, so I think in the end, it was, the, the charge to me was build it how you think it's necessary. But remember, our, our core reason for doing this is to stay true to this mission of serving folks of modest means. Mm -hmm. And so throughout the process, um, I can think about programs and products and partners where we were able to facilitate what I think are fantastic products for low and moderate income consumers um, that you know, we, we did that because we knew it was important to the mission of the bank. It's important to the consumer. And it seems like a logical place for us to sort of work in this space. Um, how do we think about cutting edge products for consumers who just haven't enjoyed cutting edge products? Uh, and, uh, and so fortunately, as we think about payments, um, you know, they are very attractive to consumers. Earned wage access products, payroll cards have been around for a long time. Um, now remittance services for immigrants who want to send money um, to other parts of the world, wherever they call home. Uh, that's all right in our wheelhouse. Uh, so it's been wonderful in the sense that we think about where we are from payments, uh, from a payments perspective. But at the same time, we can always look back and say, yeah, we're carrying that that mission through, whether even though it's not necessarily in Northeast KC anymore, um, we're extending that reach um, and that mission to, to an audience that would have never that CBKC would have never touched. Yeah, which has got to be extremely attractive to them to reach kind of farther and know that their legacy owned by the same family since the 50s is now reaching worldwide as opposed to just nationwide. OK, so you started Central Payments in 2014. Think about between now and what? I'm always I can almost finish your sentence because the the degree to which it's changed has been fascinating. But yeah. Go ahead. Well, what are some of your what are some of your highlights or lessons learned throughout that time? Um, yeah. We said from the beginning um, that payments is changing, um, and fintech and and whatever fintech was in 2013 2014. We started to really see that what what a, what they needed from their bank partner is different, um, and so 
when we came in, I think everybody saw us come in and said, oh, they're just going to be another one of the of the 10 or 12 banks that are sponsor bank, fine print on the back of the card, get the bin, get the deposit insurance and sort of stay out of my way. Um, we said from the beginning, like, no, no, we like to build stuff. And that's really been my career all along. I like to build stuff. Um, and so maybe there's a different role for a bank. Um, maybe it's not my bank sponsor uh, or my bin sponsor or my rent a bin. Um, maybe I can look to my bank for a lot more services. Maybe they can look at my bank for technology. Maybe I can look at my bank for product development. Um, maybe I can look for the bank to handle all of the infrastructure and I think about UI, UX. Uh, and it was really that approach and how we said from the beginning, like, look, if we're going to catch up in the space, we have to come at it from a, from, with technology mm -hmm. um, because our predecessors have it in just sheer size, right? right? So we had to think about, to be competitive, uh, we really felt like technology had to come first. Mm -hmm. And so uh, and so we did that. I mean, I, you know, you go back to 2014, 2015, we did the whole year and a half of trying to figure out what we want to be. It really wasn't until 17, 18, and 19 that we started to really understand what the market needed, um, what our competitors weren't able to do, and what that void, where that void um, can be filled. Uh, and so, yeah, I think I think I like to say we kind of rode along, uh, rode along with the fintech um, emergence, and we like to think that you know we are the most fintech friendly organization out there uh, because we sort of grew up with fintech. It was it was there in the beginning. Like my kids grew up with electronics. Like they have no idea what a rotary telephone is, right? <laughs> it's the same principle. Like we, we grew up with fintechs. They don't have the slightest idea what we used to call a program manager back in the day right. or a sponsor bank. All that has been kind of mashed together. And uh, and for us, we just think it caught us at a great time. Hmm. So, I mean, yeah, you think about fintech. I mean, where would we be if it wasn't for this emergence of fintech. That's right. So Trent, a little bit about the staff and the team. You come to Central Bank of Kansas City, you start Central Payments. How do you recruit the talent that you still have today, yeah? Yeah, well, um, I think we were counting the other day. Uh, we've had virtually no attrition, mm -hmm. um, zero attrition uh, among those of us that were here really early on. I, I, it really goes back to the conversation we had with with the folks at CBKC when I said, look, this, this has to happen in Sioux Falls. And <laughs> they were like, where? Hmm. Uh, I said, no, it's gotta happen in Sioux Falls. I said, it, it is the Mecca for bank issuing. It, it's, it's a great story and I, I hope we tell it on a podcast sometime about how payments got to Sioux Falls. Cause it really starts mid eighties from Citibank working its how way through. How old were through. you in the mid eighties? I was just, I mean, two or three years old at uh -huh. the time. <laughs> I, think I, <laughs> I think I had a, uh, yeah. You want to talk about the Ford Granada, don't Almost you? Almost did, but I'll let it go. Um, <laughs> no, when CBKC reached out and they said, we need to do this, we need to do this somewhere, I said, we have to do it in Sioux Falls. And at first I think their reaction was, you know, where? Uh, and I said, we have to do it in Sioux Falls. It's, it's the mecca of card issuing. Um, I can't think of many places in the country where, you know, you, you, you fly, I've been told if you fly into our airport and you draw a circle around the airport, there's 15,000 people somehow involved in financial services with services within a five mile circle of the airport. So this was the place to find talent. Um, we've been here a long time. You and I, you've, you're a Sioux Falls native. So we see, we see all these people at lunch, many of them we've worked with before because paths cross all the time. Uh, we, knew, we knew who the progressive people were that were thinking about how do I change, what's the proper role of a bank um, in this industry 10 years fast forward. 
Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, look, we went out, um, got our general manager, Eric Cotton, um, got our head of risk. Um, risk is near and dear to my heart. I'm an old compliance person and no one ever believes it when I say that. Um, but I got my start in compliance. Yeah, you cut your teeth at the FDIC. I have, I have. Ooh. And, you know, what a great experience. And so I said, you know, we have to, we have to get compliance talent here. We have to get a good general manager who understands the business, um, understands product, likes to build stuff. Uh, and then operations and then ultimately strategy, you know, leading us into false fintech, which I know we'll talk about. Uh, it, it just all came together from a senior team. And at the same time, you know, it's, it's so much more than the senior team. It's these people that we were able to find in organizations where we felt like they are capable of so much more. Let's bring them in and give them a shot to do what they've always wanted to do, but couldn't do where they were. Yeah. And so, you know, I think about, you know, our head of risk, the Mandy Coopers of the world that, you know, came in sort of from a mid-level position in an organization, but you could just see she had tons of experience and she understands the guts of payments and she understands the regulatory world. And I said, you know, this is the person we have to give a chance to, to come re lead risk for us. Uh, and there's, there's tons of stories. We've, I love to tell a story. We've got employees that have turf graft management degrees. And we just hired one the other day that's got a degree in mortuary, mortuary science. science. I mean, right. So <laughs> that's great. Um, we want generalists. And, and we've just been really fortunate to get fantastic talent. Yeah. So next um, quick lesson in beer, take a drink. Yes. There it is. And while you're doing that, I think it would be good to think about those few <laughs> years of building up the payments business. Every year had a theme. And so you go to 2019 and we start looking at all the different fintechs that are emerging that say, will you be my bank? Will you be my bank? Will you be my bank? And I love telling this story because our certainly desire and striving for innovation was there to say yes. But from a risk standpoint, we just couldn't. Yeah, there's, there's so much to be read about bank fintech partnerships. And usually these are stories that explain why they don't work um, because it's hard. Uh, it's very, very difficult to have a fintech, you know, think like a bank mm. and have a bank think like a fintech. They're both just equally challenging. Like it comes from two separate worlds. Yeah. And so into like the, your kids and you. Right. Exactly. Two very different exactly. Worlds. Exactly. Right. Teaching us all how to do things on our mm -hmm. phone. We didn't even know were possible. But, you know, I, where we were then, we quickly saw that this space is changing. The traditional sort of three-legged stool of program manager and processor and sponsor bank and then top brand and putting all those pieces and parts together, it was clear the world was changing. And so we said, look, we're, we're, we're the new ones. This, if there's ever a time to pivot, if there's ever a time to sort of reshape the way we're gonna do things, why not do it now? Which is kind of where Central Payments has been able to have that second mover's advantage where you've got experienced professionals that have been there, done that three-legged stool approach before and say, we know it can be done different. We know it can be done better. And so now we have false fintech. Talk about that launching off point. Well, you know, you and I went through years and years of planning for this. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think he means days, maybe days and days of planning. No, it, this is a function of us continuing to go to these fintechs and fintechs coming to us and saying, wow, we just can't figure out how to make this work. You're so early stage. We're this bank from the 1950s. You know, we're not ready for you. You're not ready for us. You know, and we kept doing that. And it was frustrating because we saw, you know, so much so much interesting stuff out there. And so I think it was really you and I sitting down and saying, how do we bridge this 
gap, this huge chasm that exists. Um, and then you started using weird words like de-steepen, and I was like, what in right. the how do absolute? How do we de-steepen this curve where these fintechs are having, you know, they'll have this great idea, lots of momentum, and then they get the time where, okay, how do I get it to mark? Well, excuse me, how do we get it to market? We gotta go get a bank. Well, that sounds like it's gonna be labor intensive. Yeah, labor intensive, money intensive, all the intensives. Um, then you gotta find a processor. Then you gotta do this, 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 and this. And all of a sudden, what you thought you were having great momentum, you just reached a, a cliff, yeah. right? Not really in a cliff, a mountain, right? This is an, an enormous task at really what feels like the midnight hour. And so when, when, we, when you and I were thinking about where false FinTech could play, we said, how do we, how do we smooth that over? Um, and, and that was really the genesis. I mean, you tell the story better than I do. Well, no, where, I, where, how do we get here? Yeah, the, uh, the kind of, I guess, confluence of events that got us to that point. But what motivated me is looking at marketplace strategies, keeping a pulse on what's happening out there and tying that into how many fintechs would come to central payments and say, be my bank. And we'd have to say, gosh, we love what you're doing, but we can't, it's too risky. And so, um, the idea factory over here decided, hey, what if we do an accelerator? Um, and, and of course I say, well, what's an accelerator? And so we started to dig into that a little bit more, put some groundwork and some qualitative quantitative research, um, got Luke Pigman straight out of university to do some research for us. We call him our, our fintern. founding fintern. Our founding fintern. Yes. So does that make us three co-founders, sort of? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I'm okay if Luke puts it on his yeah. resume. Yeah, cheers to Luke um, for doing all the research and really digging into this, which we got to take to the board and said, we think that there's a real business case here. We think there's profit to be made. We think that there's um, just a good overall mission-driven social good that, that can come out of this as well. So you, Trent, often lean into the kind of P&L side and making sure that there's a return. I sit more on the squishy side and being able to help these folks. Not that you don't want to help them, but you know, you're a little more heartless than I. And so, oh no, <laughs> totally teasing. But uh, I sit on the side of being able to leverage all this human capital that we've put together decades upon decades, some of us more decades than other, and being able to package that up and really then hand it over. Um, you said earlier, industry literacy, financial literacy, curriculum, all the things that we do in our 12 weeks. Um, and then on the flip side, bada bing, you got yourself a bank. Absolutely. And, and so I think we approached this idea of, a, of an accelerator. You know, we looked at the other accelerators out there. Luke, Luke did a ton of work um, researching every, every accelerator out there. He knew them all by name. Mm -hmm. We quickly saw a couple interesting um, gaps, probably. Gaps. And I, I, I don't want to sound critical of the other accelerators, but we had advantages that maybe didn't have. We're a bank. Mm -hmm. We have a payments division. They need a bank. And so we said, maybe we treat this a little different. Maybe it's not come in for 10 weeks, we'll throw a bunch of stuff at you and then you'll leave. Maybe it's more of you know, an academy, an incubator, whatever the weird word happens to be. But how do they really get embedded in us? I think you know, we're gonna say embedded you know, every single podcast, I'm sure, because it is sort of the, the phrase of the time right now. But how do we bring them in and embed them with our experts? Um, take what take that lump of clay idea. Um, we did a podcast, you and I did a podcast the other day where I said it really is a bit of a lump of clay. Doesn't don't mean that critical, but I'd rather help mold the lump of clay than change its shape after it's all dried. Mm -hmm. And and I think that was the idea around false fintech. And um, and these early stage folks are really open to that and have been been honestly hungry for information for what's right. And so 
we can throw, Mandy can take regulatory requirements and they'll just soak it in and build from the ground up rather than the car's going down the highway and they need to change a tire in motion kind of thing. Absolutely, so which they, is which is hard for some for a fintech that's got their eyes solely on launch, right? right. Any, any change is extremely disruptive for them. So how do we get them early um, and how do we really um, help shape them a little bit and, yeah. and understand our worldview. And again, it goes back to what I said at the beginning. It's all about bridging that gap um, and, and us coming to them, them coming to us and trying to create a relationship when what used to be this sort of canyon between where we were and where they were. Yeah, that's right. So you did a really good job, Trent, bridging the gap or tying it all together between the CDFI bank all the way to the FinTech Accelerator. And of course, we can't sit here and talk about ourselves all day. Uh, so what's next with FinTech Brews? Yeah, so I'm, I'm so excited about this because we want to highlight everything going on in this space right now. And with a real slant on what's the right role for financial institutions. You know, I don't believe FinTech is going to take over banking. I think banks need to think about where their role is in, in this um, changing industry. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna use FinTech brews. We're gonna talk about false FinTech. We're gonna talk about new products. We're gonna talk to our clients. We're gonna talk to our partners. We're gonna talk to the cohort participants. FinTech brews was really an opportunity for you and I, and then all of our friends to come in and really think about where not only central payments is gonna go, where we think an industry is going to go. Right. Uh, and, and I'm anxious for it. I'm anxious to talk to you know, all of the key stakeholders in the, in the spot. If you're a partner of ours, um, plan, on, plan on one of us reaching out to you because we wanna talk to you. We wanna help everybody that's involved in the space start to think about all the changes that are going on. Because it's, it's, it's so exciting and I feel like you know, we've come so far but we haven't even scratched the surface. I, I saw a note the other day. People think like fintech, the, the evolution of fintech is only 1% of the way there. Mm. So uh, we're just getting going on this thing. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, that's why I wanted to have this little background episode because I think we got to get people up to where we are today and then to truly, truly understand where we think we still need to be. Because, you know, you've got big ideas uh, and you've got big ideas around false fintech. You've got big ideas how we're going to really you know, become the number one financial bank partner for fintech. That's right. uh, so I'm all excited about yeah, it. What started as an accelerator is quickly moving to us being a business line, the fintech hub of the Midwest, bringing academies, information, share, mentoring, financing. False, like we said at over lunch earlier, you know, false fintech is is a bit of the industry literacy that we want these partners to come away with. Now, how do we augment that with business development and product development and all those things? So. Uh, yeah, stay tuned. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Off we go. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. Episode one. Ta-da! There you have it. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Fintech Brews and News. Keep up with all the content and cool stuff happening at False Fintech and Central Payments by checking out our website, our YouTube channel, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss out on our next episode. I'm Nikki Roby. And I'm Trent Sorby. See you next time. Cheers. Cheers. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.